This week on the show, we're discussing the role of social media in our lives and the hit Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. My name is Lindsay Nelson. I'm here with my co-host. And this is You Do the Talking. The Social Dilemma is an expository documentary about social media and its ills. The film is essentially a compilation of numerous interviews of former digital media executives warning viewers about the existential threat that is social media. An existential threat to what, you ask? Well, as argued in the movie, social media is an existential threat to both democracy and self. According to the film, the monetized, algorithmic, and in many cases addictive nature of social media platforms endanger democracy and truth. The villains, fake news, Russian cyber attacks, political polarization, and teenage depression. Now, before we dive into any comprehensive discussion of this documentary, I do want to point out that I have not come to any conclusion on where I stand about the positives and the negatives of this documentary. Do I have opinions? Yes. Have they been established in my mind? Not really. And you'll see what I mean as I continue to discuss. I haven't really decided on what I think about it. Therefore, take everything I say with a grain of salt, because as I'm discussing this, I'm constantly playing devil's advocate against myself and every argument I make. The first topic and quote that I wanted to discuss in this episode is the idea that, quote, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. So this was something that was highly discussed in, in the film. I can't remember exactly who the individual was who, who said this, but what the individual means by this is that many of us see YouTube as a video sharing platform and Google as a search box. But really what they are are complex algorithmic businesses that profit off our data and our time. Essentially, digital conglomerates such as Facebook and Google capitalize off of our time. Our time spent on these sites and apps translate into profit from our consumption of advertisements. So this quote is technically true, and I do agree with it, but what I don't agree with in this film, to an extent, is the blatant argument that social media is the end-all threat to democracy as we know it. America's First Amendment to the Constitution puts no strain on digital enterprises. They have complete freedom to choose and decide who gets to speak and who gets to speak what. Which sounds problematic, yes? Would you agree, Austin? That sounds pretty problematic, right? But is that not democracy? freedom, freedom of businesses, a free market enterprise. Yes, it's capitalism, which a lot of people and you know are growing to reject now these days. But is that not democratic? You know, it's kind of funny because it's not democratic in a sense that they're prohibiting freedom of speech in some ways, but at the same time they're encouraging freedom of speech. We'll get to this more later in the episode when we discuss whether censoring quote quote unquote fake news is is infringing on freedom of speech this is extremely convoluted there's no right or wrong answer to an extent the film argues that because of this and because of how selective media conglomerates quote can be they are essentially the gatekeepers of freedom of speech but may i be the one to remind you that although social media plays a very pervasive role in society and society's discourse, and especially among my generation, you know, those in um, young adulthood, um, it is not our only form of communication. 
It is a big one, and for good reason. One can reach an audience millions of times as wide as what it would be without it. So I guess what really bothers me here is that the social dilemma plays the blame game with social media, blaming these all-too-powerful corporations for our damaged and divided social discourse. But is that, is that fair, to blame social media? Think about what social media is made up of. People. This brings me to the philosophical argument, are humans inherently good or inherently bad? I'm kidding. I'm not going to get into this. Maybe in a future episode. What I do want to talk about, though, is, is social media truly to blame for the, the divisiveness of the, the, the global political discourse that we see today? And further, the, the political division that we see in, 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 in America these days, right? You go on CNN. It's just a hate Trump network. You go on Fox, and it's primarily... To, to an extent, a hate Biden network or, you know, hate Democrat network. Um, so personally, I don't think it's fair to completely blame social media for dividing social discourse. It plays a role, as we'll discuss soon, but, you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate against myself for a minute here. 100%, I think social media has skewed civil discourse quite a bit. Because we view social media as life, which it isn't, we've normalized cutting people out of our lives based on their politics. Now, I'm not talking about individual stances on racism or inequality. These are both highly prevalent global issues, and if you're racist, you're a bad person. I feel very, very comfortable making that assertion. But what I'm getting at here is that we've normalized defamation and demonization with social media. Something I would not feel comfortable with, nor would I recommend to others, is that one is a bad person based on their personal political platform. Cancel culture is feeding on this, right? And, and this is only encouraging purity politics. By engaging with this civil discourse, one is essentially noting that civil discourse has been damaged by social media with the rise of cancel culture and the like. Yes. Biased Instagram graphics asserting statements, factual or fictional, oftentimes factual events but discussing fictional consequences, easily skew younger generations who often have difficulties detecting bias. But make no mistake, this isn't social media's fault. I think the problem we have here is that we never knew that these fateful consequences would be so damaging to the psyches of our youth. Um... It's human nature to fear change. It is. Um, and I think that we can't entirely blame social media. Um, I think we, we need to better condition ourselves and our children to be experts at detecting bias, engaging in discourse in, pos- in, in, in a positive and, and respectful fashion. However, we have to understand that social media right now is primarily, well, I don't know primarily, but one of social media's main markets is teenagers yes um young people young vulnerable people and i think that the problem we have here is that a lot of people our age on some nice age young adults we mistake instagram graphics for news and current events we, we and to go even further 
we mistake social media for education. That's, that's not what it is, not, not in the slightest sense. I think everyone, you know, if you're familiar with these Instagram graphics, if you're unfamiliar, um, they're essentially just, you know, what exactly what it sounds, an in, a, a graphic post on Instagram, usually about some sort of topic, anything from the crisis in Yemen to Donald Trump's climate policy. Doesn't really exist, to be truthful. Um, anything like anything of the sort, um, even social constructs like like race. So I think that they're great for getting the message across, but I think what is tough is that they simplify everything so much to the point where some of it isn't even factual or true, and it can be very hard to form an opinion based off of something that is so simplified. And that brings me to something Ansem and I discussed earlier today, and it's that social media has allowed us to easily build ourselves these bubbles that only allow us to see and hear what we want to hear, right? You know, I, you know, you go on, you go on Twitter, and you choose to follow the people on Twitter that you agree with. You open up Instagram. You only follow the media outlets and the people that you agree with and you like. And yes, that's fair. That's something you should do because that's that's the point. It's your personal profile. If you support Ed Markey, for example, you want to follow Ed Markey. That's all good. The problem is, and especially the problem with following the social media platforms of individual politicians, is that they're, they're distributing their personal platform, not their party's platform. So I think that in and of itself can be misinformation as well, just as much as something as extreme as, um, I don't want to get too extreme here, but you know, something, something like, oh, uh, injecting disinfectants into your bloodstream cures COVID-19. Obviously that's not true. If you have an ounce of critical thinking skills, I'm, I'm sure that you would be able to deduce that that is false. Um, but I think that that's really problematic. Would you not agree? Yeah. As much as I personally like to follow the politicians I support, the parties I support, my favorite news outlets on, on social media, I think it's really important that we begin to diversify who we're hearing information from, um, who we're listening to, who we're reading from. Um, you know, I wouldn't... And make no mistake, I'm not encouraging you to, you know, if you're a liberal, don't you don't need to read, like, far-right fascist reports. Like, that's not what I mean. But you know what I mean, though, right? Like, if you primarily read the Globe and Mail, maybe once in a while check out the National Post. It can't hurt, right? What is it? It's going to kill 10 minutes. Awesome. I think that our school system, in my opinion, has done a great job of teaching us how to detect bias. But the weird thing is, is that when I go on social media, it's like none of us learn this. Um, we see opinions as, as facts, and that, that can be so dangerous. So just to link this back to the documentary and how it blamed social media for our damaged civil discourse, I think we also need to take personal responsibility and understand that humans aren't perfect, but we still need to strive for perfection when it comes to, um, the, when it comes to learning the truth and educating yourself. One thing I have to point out and this may sound very fringe, very even philosophical at times, 
very skeptical, but that's kind of the point of this podcast, is that by following the very logic that the social dilemma persuades, if this documentary was totally accurate, they would have censored it. And by they, I mean Netflix. Like, think about it. Netflix is one of the many apps that beckon to us. Netflix is going to post an accurate documentary. I, 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 that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The truth is always in the middle. If you watch this, watch it with objectivity and read between the lines. Um, I feel like this documentary has its own mind manipulation of its own, just like all other forms of social media and all other media platforms. You know, I'm not like this in the social media, but you know what I mean. Um, however, I have, you know, in this podcast, I've, I've scrutinized this film, but I, I really think this film is striving for positive change. I hope that an outcome of this film is to provide a wake-up call to many individuals around the world to look at social media skeptically. And further, it will hold the parties who are responsible accountable for their actions that infringe on our data privacy. That's a huge issue in today's world. Read Personal Record by Edward Snowden. Watch The Great Hack. Um, those are very expository pieces that I have learned a lot about data privacy from. Um, however, I have a lot of negative things to say about this film. Not necessarily negative things to say about this film, but you know, just n negative things in general. <laughs> um, so again, as I mentioned before, one of the film's primary contentions to substantiate their case against social media is that it poses a hazardous threat to a stable democracy. They provide a fairly substantiated case to what this means, and I encourage you all to watch the movie. Yes, media and tech conglomerates are problematic, but I don't think that they give enough credit to social media as far as positive change goes. And I know I did talk about how social media skews us, and um, a lot of people seem to lack the critical thinking skills required to detect bias and detect misinformation, which I think we all need to take personal responsibility for, myself included. Um, but I think that social media can be really, really good. And I don't think it's fair to, for lack of a better word, cancel them. One example I have is veganism. In the 60s and 70s, and in fact for much of the 20th and early 21st century, veganism and vegetarianism, movements that advocate for the fair treatment of animals, a good thing, and environmental justice, most certainly a good thing, was fringe. It was the counterculture. Now, I've talked about veganism across several episodes in this podcast, um, but I think it's I think it's all good good examples. So hear me out. So back then it was fringe. It was the counterculture, but now conveniently after the dot com boom and given rise to Instagram, Facebook, the internet as we know it, veganism is on the rise, and I think it would be highly irresponsible to ignore the fact that social media has played a significant role in the exponential rise of the demand for vegan products across numerous industries. And this is a good thing. I think many of us would, would agree, vegan or not. So, you know, in so many ways, and without social media, I don't think this would entirely be the same. So that's just an example of how, how social media has inspired positive social change. Um, another instance I have, and I know I, I argued against this earlier, and I will continue to argue against it and for it and go back and forth until the end of time, is young adults getting involved in political discourse. 
Earlier, I talked about how cancel culture, purity politics, misleading media, and the like is damaging civil discourse for almost everyone I know. In fact, that is one of the reasons I started this podcast. I am so passionate about social and political advocacy. I love talking about politics. I love debating politics. World issues are so fascinating for me. And for many high school students, like myself, it has never been easier to get involved in, I, I laugh at this, but get woke, for lack of a better term. Um, reputable news sources are pervasive on me many social media platforms. You know, you, you can get, you can read the New York Times on Snapchat. That is crazy to me, right? Because back in the day, um, politics was just that boring, weird thing that adults discussed and um, listened to. And now it's really engaging young adults. Think about it. Think about um, Congresswoman Oca Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. She has over a million Instagram followers, I believe. And, you know, the, the district that she represents um, is far under a million people, right? So think about how many people that follow her and how she's been able to market her campaigns to younger people who probably didn't vote before because voting was never a cool thing to do back in the day without social media and how it's given rise to her, for lack of a better word, um, reign in, in the political um, social media discourse situation. I find that very, very fascinating. I, I, know, I know lots of people that follow her that are young, they're likely not even voting age, and in fact, they don't even live in America. I, I can talk about this for hours, but how interesting is it that me, a Canadian, Ansem, a Canadian, many of my friends, all Canadian, are so fascinated by U.S. politics? Um, I want to add another thing about just news in general, right? Because there's been news outlets that I feel like have blossomed with the increase of social media. For example, Narcity Canada. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> Actually, no, I think, I, I think I've heard of it, but just can you to talk about it. Well, I feel like it's really bloomed with social media, and it's kind of like a news outlet. I feel like that's thrived with social media, and kind of... How so? Do they just, like, post a lot on Twitter mm -hmm. and stuff? And it's, like, more, like, it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. They post a lot, and, like, there's... I don't know how... I think that social media is just such a great thing for advertising, and yes, it can be kind of scary when, like, you Google something a few days before... And then all of a sudden you get an Instagram ad for it. Yeah, but at the same time, like, don't you think that's very interesting how, I don't want to say easy, but it's, it's, it's very cool to see younger people start businesses and you can see their social media accounts, right? It's kind of giving, giving rise, I hope, to um, entrepreneurship and, and small, that'll, businesses. small businesses like, and that'll overall stimulate the economy. So you can't be mad at that. Mm -hmm. Another thing I wanted to discuss is the rule of misinformation or misleading advertisements on media platforms. Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook has been scrutinized for refusing to remove, quote, fake news from Facebook. My question is this. How democratic is it for a public social media platform intended to unite families and friends over an increasingly globalized world to censor any kind of information? It's a little bit ironic, right? Because the social dilemma is saying that social media is, in, is threatening democracy, but now government is telling 
Facebook to censor media, that seems very anti-democratic to me. That seems like a communist thing, censoring media. That's very textbook communism. And make no mistake, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, injecting um, disinfectants into your bloodstream is going to cure COVID-19, as I mentioned earlier, or um, skewing voters away from legitimate polling sites. Um, that's voter suppression. That is unconstitutional. That is a felony. So obviously I'm not talking about that. But it's a, it's a little bit funny to me. So make no mistake, society and government is more censored than you probably think. Again, watch The Great Hack, read Personal Record, and think about it. Government is encouraging the media to censor itself. I think now that the problem is, is that there's no distinctive line between what is acceptable and what isn't. What's democratic and what's undemocratic. Obviously there is a line, of course. There's something called the Constitution. I feel like each person's personal line is different, though. Fair. Do you want to elaborate on that? Well, I feel like everybody, well, obviously everyone has their biases, but everyone's thoughts can contribute to, like, a different line. So, like, some, for example, maybe I could think that Facebook should censor some of their ads, but another person would think that that's really undemocratic, right? So, so you think it's just it's an very, opinion thing? Yeah. That's what I think, too. So, I... I wouldn't you say that then it would be up to Facebook to decide whether or not it's okay? Because clearly it's, it's, it's a moral issue, right? It's like interesting it's, because I feel like I would have said yes, but if you think about it, Facebook is such a big powerhouse in the tech industry, and if they were to make these decisions and impose them on us, what impact is that going to have on what we see? Mm-hmm. So I think the problem here is that the problem is, is that if we allow government to tell Facebook, and I'm talking theoretically, I have, I have no opinion on this right as of right now. I'm, this is all hypothetical. Um, if we allow government to tell Facebook to censor these ads, then like, where is the line going to be drawn? On what mm-hmm. ad is factual, what ad is not factual? Because we don't, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And obviously things can be fact-checked. Yes, they can, but I just fear that there would be no line drawn by government, no distinctive line, because I, I just I wouldn't trust government to regulate social media. That that scares me. Um, but likewise, I see where you're where you're coming from. Is if we wouldn't let government do that, why would we let Facebook, a private company that doesn't that often isn't held accountable, and and likely will not be held accountable in the future. Um, to decide what we see. Is that what you're getting at? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I see. So to reiterate, I, I wouldn't trust government to regulate social media. Like, think about how communist that sounds. But at the same time, I wouldn't trust the tech conglomerates themselves. So, like many other things we've discussed across this podcast, what it comes down to, in my opinion, is personal responsibility. Educate yourself. What I absolutely love about the digital world, and what I don't think the social dilemma awards enough credit to, is that the digital age of information has provided us provided us with an opportunity to learn anything we want. Education is not just for the men or for the wealthy. At this point, if you have an internet connection, you literally do not have an excuse not to know something. 
The digital age of information has allowed us to know almost anything we want, intellectually and practically. I think we just need to hone in on critical thinking skills and take personal responsibility for what we consume on the internet. Would you not agree? Yeah, and I think something that Twitter has done really well is, obviously this is just a start, but with like candidates, for example, for the U.S. election, mm-hmm. they have state, like it, there's like a little thing that says mm-hmm. U.S. candidate, candidate for, for whatever district they're yeah. in. And I think that's good to inform people like this person is biased. Mm-hmm. Towards... Instagram has been fact checking some things as oh, well. Oh, that's I noticed. good. Yeah, um, I, it's probably just a like beta thing. Like it's not for everything, but it's it's interesting. And they do provide sources, which I certainly appreciate. I just want to touch back on how, in my experience, a lot of young adults these days have mistaken social media and the information presented on social media as education. Um, I think that it could be very dangerous because a lot of what is posted on social media is not researched, it is not accurate. In fact, a lot of people who have a lot of power on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, a lot of social media platforms aren't educated themselves. So this is kind of just your general reminder to look at everything skeptically, question everything, research absolutely everything. It excites me, it overwhelms me, but it, it excites me that there is no end to what you are capable of. There is no end to the amount that you can learn. So please, I implore you, educate yourself, lean in, look at everything with an eye of skeptic. Question everything, as I mentioned earlier. Please, please do not scroll through a Instagram graphic about some sort of world issue. Repost it to your thousands of Instagram followers without doing further research. If you do that, I'm sorry, but in my opinion, that is just as irresponsible as other mass means of spreading misinformation on social media. And... I know that it's difficult to research everything that you see online, but I think it's really important to take things with a grain of salt if you aren't going to research it, you know? Like, sure, like, this person believes this or has simplified it to this, but maybe if someone else were to read it or simplify it, it'd be different, right? Fair. So That is fair. One thing I will disagree with you on some is that you mentioned that it is hard to research things. I mentioned just a few minutes ago this podcast. Um, it has never been easier to research That's things. That's true. Everything is at your fingertips now. Um, there are sites that simplify long articles so that you can read them within a few minutes. There are podcasts now. I'll get to you in a second. I'm sorry. There are podcasts now. You can get your news from by when you're walking or driving to school. My argument towards that would be how do you know that those things that are simplifying things for you that whatever website or like those podcasts aren't spewing biases of their own oh well they definitely are i mean there's it's very hard to be completely unbiased bias doesn't have to be bad right um it can be it most definitely can be but um as long as you recognize that the bias is there recognize what the bias is and ensure that it's not misleading or uh is fictional then you're all good and i think you should Sorry, go ahead, finish. So, um, if you're reading the New York Times, just know that it's going to lean towards the left, undeniably. If just, just as if you're reading the National Post, it's going to lean a little bit more conservative. And that's okay. 
In fact, it's great to diversify, as I mentioned earlier, diversify um, what you're reading and what you're watching. I think that's so important. You know, with the rise of technology, social media, kids are kind of getting on it at a pretty young age now. Mm. And so, like, this begs the question, like, how influenced can they be from what they see? Because, you know, they're not adults. They Mm -hmm. may not have the skills that we have gained through, you know, life, education, Mm -hmm. school system. And in fact, you know, kids are inherently vulnerable, right? They're known to just absorb anything they read, anything they hear. So, um, is that what you're getting at? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, one thing that the social dilemma did point out is that um, a lot of the tech executives that they interviewed mentioned that they don't allow their kids to be on social media. Now, one thing I have to point out is that many of the tech executives seem to be pretty young. Therefore, I have to infer that their children are also very young, um, and they wouldn't be of age to have social media anyway. One quote I like to not live by, that would be too extreme, but one quote I do hold close to my heart is that if you're not old enough to respect other people's views when it comes to politics, um, then you're not old enough and, and therefore mature enough to be discussing them right? So I don't think we should demonize social media, but instead demonize the behavior that allows us to uh, believe everything we hear. Um, Cancel anything that seems bad to us. I think that also social media has given rise, I I mentioned this earlier probably, but I I think that social media has also given rise to the, the, the very notion that we should not be friends with certain people just because they differ politically from us. Where is the spice in that? That sounds horrible to me. In fact, I only want to be friends with people who disagree with them because I just love talking about this stuff. I love debating it. (laughs) That sounds hilarious, but it's true. And I feel like this essentially leads back to something we talked about earlier and like the political divide and extreme polarization Mm -hmm. that this has caused on, you know, our lives are social media and I feel like it's something that honestly is really sad because I feel like the ability to hear other people out is so important and Mm. without that skill I don't think we can create good change and Mm -hmm. lasting lasting change for you know generations to come and Mm. I don't need to add to that yeah that is so true and very insightful on some okay so another thing that um is really big with social media is you know mental health body image and that's something that's really important and affects a lot of us especially young people mm-hmm. nowadays and we're um hoping to discuss that in a future episode but we just want to acknowledge it in today's episode just to you know make sure that it was acknowledged <laughs> awesome. yes. so does the good outweigh the bad I say yes. I think there's way too many pros of social media that unite us, that allow us to learn. And I'm talking about the internet generally here, but um, while social media, I mean, sorry, internet, digital media conglomerates need to be held accountable for their um, mistakes, I think we also just need to take personal responsibility for accepting and acknowledging the the misinformation, the... uh, for lack of a better word, bad stuff 
um, on social media. I am pro-social media, I am pro-internet, I think that it has expanded our worldviews so much, even for those who may not have the opportunity to travel, to see the world. They have the world in the palm of their hand. But at the same time, there is some bad shit going on in the digital media um, sector that I think we need to look at very skeptically. But again, take personal responsibility uh, for accepting that. And um, just look at everything with a critical, uh, skeptical eye. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Beauty the Talking. I hope you'll continue the, this conversation with us over Twitter uh, or responding to us with a voice message on Anchor. Our sources will be linked in the show notes, as always. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Leave a rating and review. It really helps us out. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much.